You are now rocking with the Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Have a good time. Enjoy life. It's um, Life is too short to, to, to get bogged down and be discouraged. Or um, You have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other, smile, and just keep on rolling. Vans. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. Drop that bitch. And now, live from Studio E, the bunt with Safer and Donovan. Y'all know exactly what's going on. I'm D Jones. I got the ghost with me straight from Miami. Is in the building for the Super Bowl. Not the actual building, but the building of Miami. And as always, Ants One behind the scenes, the GOAT. It's a cool thing. Still, still. Ghost, how's Miami? And what we got going on this week, baby? Bro, Miami, beautiful as always. It's been fun being here, Super Bowl week, all types of crazy parties every day. Fuck, man. Shout out to Nick Katz and Tiff, two of my favorite people hosting me. My fam down here. But yeah, other, otherwise, yo, this episode's, <laughs> it was popping, man. We had to, to holler at the legend himself, Ben Gilly, Mr. 50-50. Goddamn. Real in-depth interview with him. I love going back into that time of skating when we were youths and just worshipping these dudes. Ben Gilly, one of the gnarliest we ever saw growing up. Pleasure to have him on the show. Just a real delight to talk to. Then we go into the post office. A little short and sweet one. Let's pick it up, people. Send these voice notes in. And then, oh shit, it's the rundown, bruv. We're fresh off the Super Bowl. Epic game. We're going to get into that. And then, of course, touch on the very unfortunate passing of my fucking idol, Kobe Bryant. Legend of sin. I hate the fact that this is a reality that we're talking about this. We have to show some love to the Mamba, of course, man. One of the saddest moments of all time, to be honest with you. But like Saver said, this episode has it all. Ben Gilly, Bama in the building. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Like us on Facebook at The Bunt and get your voice notes and emails into thebuntlive at gmail.com. Like the ghost said, it was a short week. He's down in Miami. Didn't want to keep him too long. The kid needs the sun. But next week, we need them emails and voice notes, y'all. And if you missed an episode, head over to thebuntlive.com. They're all stacked up waiting for you guys. It's all there, baby. You know what time it is. The ghost shout out of the week. You got a skater or are you going to the sports world? Sports world? Yeah, you shout out your boy, Patty Mahomes. Super Bowl champion, oh, of Super course. Bowl MVP. Of course. Shout out of the week. Uh, shout out to Hermit the Frog. Of course. <laughs> it's Kermit the Frog. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, shout out to Kermit, my boy, throwing dimes. Enjoy Disney World. You know who I want to give a shout out to one more time is uh, our boy, Bunt alumni, Mark Suchu. I don't know why it took me so long, but I, I finally watched uh, Habitat connector line last night did you watch that one no should i oh you gotta watch that one man uh just another reminder that him not being sodi was a disgrace well him or tiago 
and I know I always complain about it, but fucking wait till the end of the year to announce it. Bro, go watch that shit. He killed it. He put out another basically part in this like big like team montage thing. Um, went off. So shout out Suchu, man. You're fucking crazy. The amount of times Mark Suchu's got the shout out of the week, that's got to be worthy of Sodi, man. It's every and, week you're almost giving him. But every yo, other week you award him. I'm not even trying to say this in a disrespectful way, but he's not even one of my favorite skaters. I mm. respect the shit out of him, and he, I love him as a skater. It's not even like I'm on some Gary Rogers shit, where, like, that's his favorite skater, so he shouts him out all the time. I, I love Suchu, but it's not even like he's my favorite skater. I'm not shouting him out more because I have some bias towards him. It's just you got to respect the work ethic on that Nikki man he's crazy non-stop footage always high level footage special special dude so like we said this week we got Ben Gilly in the building one of the goats from our childhood absolute stunt man this guy will 50-50 anything you put in his way he ain't <laughs> shook coming straight from Bama these days we got a real Bama connection man we gotta get down there bruh we, we got to get down there only one thing left to do before we get into the interview, man. You know what it is. Oh, man. I've been sipping too many brewskis down here. I got to detox when I get home, but a couple more steamies won't hurt at this point. For fuck's sake. Yo, Canada's premium pilsner. Steam whistle. The only buzz. As I look down at my beer gut jiggling. Super happy to have the legend Ben Gilly in the building today. What's cracking, man? Not much. Just uh, chilling in Birmingham. Dude, Bama, stand up, dog. Our second, <laughs> yeah. our second from Bama. We gotta make a visit down there. I think absolutely. So, we'll take you to a, a Bama game. Oh, whew, we need that, man. Yeah, it's something else. That's for sure. So we start every show off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment and your favorite sports moment. I guess sports moment. I guess I would say there's so many like Alabama football moments. Mm-hmm. I would. I guess I would say it's it's just kind of cool to be around here in the midst of a, a another dynasty. Oh yeah. And and so, just the vibe around here with that everything is it's pretty sick. Mm-hmm. And then I guess skate moment was uh, I hadn't been in California very long and I got to go to the sight unseen premiere. Holy! And that was bonkers, you know, because. I didn't really know anybody in the industry back then. Mm-hmm. Just uh, Jamie and like the whole Baker squad was up front, Damn. and then that whole Chomp um, preview kind of uh, they pirated the beginning of the video or whatever. And yeah. I don't know, it just it was going off in that whole area. It was I don't know, it was just I was blown away. I'm like, oh, I've never been to a premiere, and <laughs> and it was way more than a. I thought it was going to be, I guess, you know, it was just everybody was hyped and yelling and jumping and throwing shit. It was, <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty sick. Sounds like a Bama game, yo. Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, I wish I could have been in that, at that premiere. That's one of the, our favorite videos all time, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I went with Jamie. He was going kind of like last minute and he had another ticket. Did you like, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. Damn. Not, not having any idea what I was going to go see, you know? Mm-hmm. So. So sick. Yeah, it was pretty dope. So take us back to the beginning. What was it like growing up in Mississippi, and how'd you get into skating? Oh, man. A lot of rednecks that yell skater faggot at at the window at you all day, every day. Um, We had like an old Kmart 
that we'd built ramps, like pretty much you'd stack pallets and then you'd put plywood on the side and that was like a bank ramp. Yeah. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And then you'd come after a weekend and there'd be big tire tracks on them from rednecks running them over and stuff. Uh, and then, I don't know, just one day we decided to make a trip to Birmingham and, you know, we did the classic, I'm sleeping over at so-and-so's house and he's sleeping at my house, but we're all actually got a hotel room in Birmingham <laughs> and just skating, you know? And the first time I came here, I was hooked, you know? It was like the first, I guess you could say, big city compared to where I lived. Right. And there was just skate stuff everywhere. And so every chance I got, I just came up here and that's just it kind of, that got me out of Mississippi, I guess, you know what I mean? So it's not that far. Birmingham's not that no, far. No, it was about it's like an hour and a half, 2 hour drive maybe. So okay. but at the time it, it felt like forever, you know. A different world. Yeah, exactly. So, what was your first big break in the skate industry? How did it all get started for you? Well, my friend Danny Dean, his sister lived in San Diego and was getting married. And he didn't want to come out there by himself. So he brought me just so we could hang out and do stuff out there. And we were friends with a guy named Chad Foreman who ended up leaving. We worked valet in Birmingham together, but he grew up with Jamie. And Jamie took him out there when he started Black Box. Mm -hmm. And so we were hanging out with him. And uh, Jamie was going to some event called Glenfest, I believe was the name of it. It was like a demo contest skate jam kind of thing went up there and as we were getting up there Mumford was leaving he had a, um, a wristband so he, he gave it to us and me and my friends were just passing it along each other we'd spend like 10 minutes out there and then come back and give it to the other guy <laughs> and skate or whatever and then they ended up having a contest like a best trick contest and I entered in it and that's when I met Alfaro Damn. and uh, he mentioned that label was looking for AMs and I was like, yeah, I'll link up with you, you know, when this is over. But I never found him. Oh, no. Got back to Birmingham, and Danny mentioned it to my good friend Peter and Joel, who were like, Peter owns the skate shop in town, and Joel was like the local filmer. And they were like, what's this about Alfaro, like, you know, talking about label? And I'm like, oh, no, no, he would, it was just whatever. It was just chit-chat on the ramp or whatever. And we've been filming for a shot video, so they actually put me a, a tape together and got me to send it to label and then i got a call i don't know a few weeks later from lucero and got boards after that damn that's so sick from glenfest man <laughs> who would have thought yeah <laughs> yeah pre-cell phone days where you couldn't just like grab his number on the ramp you actually <laughs> lost him yeah i was just gonna write that's the thing is like i couldn't like just put it in i was like yeah i'll find some pen and paper and write it down <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that the little it had like a best trick contest. It was like an oversized euro that you would go down, and it had two handrails on each side. Yeah. And uh, skated that, and when it was over, I, I did a lap around the area looking for him. I couldn't find him, and then oh. just it was like, ah, eh, he probably left. You know, it was whatever. I didn't think anything of it. You know, I didn't think anything would come of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't put too much weight into what he was saying. Right, but it all worked out in the end. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a bit about the uh, Reason to Believe video starring you and one of our homies, Mr. Hardy. What was filming for that like? That was the best because uh, it was just local. You know, it was all the homies 
skating with James a lot, and then Joel was our good buddy, and it was just madness around here in Atlanta because he moved. Joel moved to Atlanta, and so he would come down here on some weekends and film, and then we'd go up to Atlanta and spend a weekend at his house and film. And uh, I don't know, it was kind of weird watching James because you know he showed up around here when he was about fourteen. And he had to pretty much start over in the middle of filming for that video, because you you've, you've hung out with him. You know how big he is. Oh yeah, he's taller than I am. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he like literally hit a growth spurt, and then so he looked like it was footage of like him and his younger brother is what it looked like. <laughs> and so, you know, our friend Justin, he's got such a weird style. It was fun watching him. You know, I, that's who I stayed with in San Diego when I first moved out there. That Justin Holmes cat but i don't know it's it's, that's probably some of my fondest memories of filming is is for that video man that might have been like what my favorite part of yours the song jolene goes good with your skating and just like it's a well-rounded part man you did a front side flip in that part i didn't see any other front side flips after that but that was dope man yeah i mean i don't like doing flip tricks i can (laughs) but you know I like skating faster, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I don't. My flat ground isn't good as fast as I like to skate. I can dick around on some stuff, but I don't enjoy it as much as just hauling ass and you know getting a good grind under your feet. <laughs> it shows. But with that video, I did try to like. I, I do like doing kookier stuff as well, like ghetto banks and stuff like that, and all that stuff in that building. Like you know, that, I'm always doing stuff like that. And, but it was never really showcased, you know what I mean? It was just almost all banger stuff or me, you know, dying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't necessarily have to make a trick on Black Label for it to get in the video. <laughs> so <laughs> You had two different uh, tricks that were at, like, abandoned warehouses or something. The one, the front side flip, and then the front crooks, right? Yeah, and then uh, that same window, we put a picnic table in there, and yeah, I, like, nose blunted it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That shit always looked dope. I remember Rob Welsh had a trick on one of those in Free Your Mind, like Nolly backside flip through the like window. Yeah, yeah Rodrigo TX Nolly big heeled it too in the firm. Yeah, that shit always looked dope to me. Yeah, but that video. I, yeah, I love abandoned building footage and shit like that. Oh yeah, it always looks sick. That video was the first time we saw your classic red and brown striped sweater, man, the Freddy Krueger style one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an old circus sweater. Oh, that became so your pro beast. model sweater, man. <laughs> I think that was Jamie's sweater, actually. <laughs> yeah, who would have known Ben Gilly and Dolly Parton would have been a match made in heaven, yo? Perfect. I know, yeah. man. I always think that's the dopest song. Like every, I, I almost wish I hadn't used it because I like the song so much that I, I feel like if I play it, I'm like, you know, yeah, jocking right. myself. Oh, like, you know, check me yeah. out. <laughs> and you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I actually really like this song, but I feel like I can't play it now. <laughs> So moving forward a little bit, your part in the labels, kills videos is straight stuntman stuff, laying it all on the line at every spot. Was there always pressure to take your tricks to the next level for every part? Like, did you ever think, how am I going to do a bigger 50-50 or 5-0 now? No, it was never like that. Uh, Label kills actually was kind of funny because I got on label maybe a few months before the video came out and... Like I said, after I called Lucero and he called me back, they started sending me boards. And I'd send them that tape that they had made for me. And I was continuing filming. So we would just send them footage 
not thinking they were going to use it, but it was just more to show them what I was doing, you know, the past few weeks or past month, you know, mm-hmm. just to show them that I was out there on my board, using the boards that they gave me and all that. And then one day I opened uh, a mag and they'd use one of the f- slides that we'd sent them and I had an ad. They Damn. never told me anything. So I was like, what the? F-? <laughs> That's sick. And and so a lot of that footage is really just from the skate shop video that we were doing. And uh, about a week before the video came out, Jamie was coming to Miami and he called my buddy Joel, who did Reason, to come down and film. And he's like, yo, Gilly just got on label flow. Could he come? Because he's got about a week to film. And he's like, yeah, the more the merrier. So there's a few tricks in there in Miami, I believe. Like the synagogue, that big. Oh, yeah. The hurricane. Yeah. The Jew rails. Is that, is that that's yeah. what they call them? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few tricks in there from a trip like a week before, but the rest of it's just skate shop footage that they just threw together to a Slayer song. <laughs> and so I didn't even know I was getting a part, you know what I mean? So I thought I might have a clip or two like somewhere in there, but they were able to just throw that together with what I'd given them. But as far as like doing bigger and it's really more of like I'd get to a spot and I would just be like, I think I could do this. You know, and so I I can't really put that to rest unless I try it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I didn't really try to like go bigger and better. It was just more of like, what's in front of me? Can I, can I hit it or am I going to kill myself? (laughs) I always wonder what skaters like you and like Paul Macknose of the world, Heath Gerchart, like how you get motivated to film that next part. Cause it's like, like Donald said, if you 50, like some crazy double kink rail, like how are you gonna top yourself? You always want your next part to be better than the last, but uh, yeah, when absolutely. you guys are on that crazy, crazy shit, I'm like, it must be like Leo Romero. I think we asked him that too. Like, yeah. how do you stay motivated after going all out, basically for every clip? I always did better on trips because you know you never know when you're gonna come back to a spot. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're like on some other end of the country or wherever, another country entirely. You never know. So that that was really. A lot of my motivation is like, well, if I don't do this now, I don't know when I'll be back into the spot. Yeah. So it's now or never, kind of. Did you ever think like, damn, like I'm on another trip, like I'm supposed to 50-50 this enormous rail? Like all usually skate trips have someone showing them around. Like you have a host, right? And that oh yeah, guy the host will, like, would always take me to do some ridiculous. <laughs> that's what rail I mean. Or... Like he's gonna be like, oh, I got a Ben Gilly spot for sure. Yeah, I oh, I've turned down plenty of rails oh, from like, on. what are you thinking? <laughs> There's no way. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fuck. I remember doing that to the Shake John and crew guys when they came through. You were and showing them around? I was showing them around, and I felt like they were just getting so over it. I kept bringing them to the biggest <laughs> shit, and like they just wanted to skate some mellow shit. Yeah. And I kind of felt bad yeah. after a while. I was like, oh, okay, I'm like here there's like this fucking huge over rail here and then the 13 stair rail over here and everyone just <laughs> stare at them like uh next spot like fuck I yeah felt like, i'm I felt like bad. yeah ben are you ever just like damn can i just skate in an abandoned building with some ramps or something like yeah take exactly. me somewhere yeah. different man <laughs> well luckily label had a, a well diversified team where we were always going to different spots as well it would always be like oh hey we also have a rail for you gilly yeah. and i'll be like all right well let's let's just go to this other spot first yeah, and warm up. I see that up. on the last day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Label asked you to go pro right after Label kills, but you were a little bit apprehensive. Why was that? I don't know. I just looked at it like at the time, 
you know, like you had to deserve it or whatever. And I hadn't really been on the scene that long. But uh, one day I was bowling with Heath and I was talking to him about it. And he's just pretty much, I guess, the the wisest advice. He was just like, uh, you're kind of overthinking it, man. You, there's a company that wants to pay you to skateboard. It's basically it. <laughs> Yeah. And when he said it that way, I'm like, you're right. Like, well, I'm putting too much thought into this, you know? So, because, yeah, I, I turned it down at first. But then after talking to him, I kind of, I guess, talked some sense into me, I guess. Well, it's like more rare. Back then, you would, most people had to drop numerous parts and be in the scene for a while and become well-known. Whereas today, you see people go pro real quick. But it was more rare back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you shot out of a cannon with them gnarly ass hammers. They were like, "Oh, let's do it right now, dude." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that all that that old kind of skating kind of happened quick as well, because there was a handrail here, and like I said, Chad, me and him did valet, and Jamie would come through, or he would show Jamie spots that he had found. And uh, actually, the last my last grind in label kills was here in Birmingham, and Jamie was going to come do it. And he told me about it, and I went and looked at it. And I was by myself, and I got my board out, and I rolled up to it a couple times just trying to imagine it. And I just kind of got this feeling like, I think I can do this. You know, (laughs) and I'd never grinded anything that big before. Was that the long double kink? No, no, no. It's at the end of Label Kills. Uh, It's like, I think it was a 22 stair or something. Um, I had the baggiest pants on. It was probably, it was like late 90s i think when i did it <laughs> maybe early maybe it was 2000 but uh I, yeah i just kept rolling up to it and i'm like i think i can do this and i'm and it wasn't anything like against jamie but i was like no i can't let him come do this i gotta do this Ooh. you know what <laughs> i mean this, this is my town i gotta do this <laughs> if somebody's gonna do it it's gotta be me and uh first time i tried to do it people were at the skate shop and they they overheard it and then this this whole crew came and it it, it was too blown out and I couldn't do it in front of people you know it's too much of a head case so we left and then you know the next day it was very secretive like all right we're gonna meet there at this time and then yeah it was uh it was pretty scary I went to this 10 stair and grinded about 50 times (laughs) just to try to like all right make sure I can do 50 50s because you know I went from like a 10 to a 22 oh my it was it was a little little nerve-wracking to say the least that's the one where you're going kind of slow right and you get on yeah exactly that's why because you know it was the first time i'd if i that rail was still here i would definitely go to it faster and you could do (laughs) more tricks down it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but that's the first time i'd ever even tried to go down anything remotely that big right and that's actually the the photo that ended up being my label ad that they didn't tell me about for sure oh sick uh one thing rewatching all your parts today you used to take any 50 you'd get like once you locked it sometimes you'd 50 the gnarliest rails like toe side like yeah. grinding <laughs> toe side i'm like yo that's just psycho we used or to you, land it on you that. do it like the feeble way kind of or like well, heel side like. the goal is to at least get to the end where you can jump <laughs> to the ground yeah. you know what i mean oh, yeah. if, you're, if you're all on it weird <laughs> But then sometimes you're on it long enough and you're like, oh, well, I guess I can land on this. It figures it out by the end, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got enough time to think about it on some of those. Uh, some of those toe-side 50s you pulled off were <laughs> straight insane. But that one at the end of Label Kills, like, you were not going very fast and you grinded right from the top. Man. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. It's funny to watch back now because it's like I was creeping and yeah. then 
and then the later years i'm going a lot yeah, faster flying. yeah what is the part with the double double kink at the that's end? that's the end of reason to believe yeah, that yeah. one you're flying at yeah 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 that one's in austin yeah, <laughs> yeah. um a bmxer showed me that rail pretty much nice so they do have some use <laughs> i'm just kidding For one of our favorite times of the week, CHPO brand doing it for the people, trying to put a box on your doorstep. They putting hater blockers over your eyes and diamonds on your wrists weekly. And this week, it's dedicated to Big Red and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. If you can correctly email us what Andy Reid said he was gonna enjoy for his after Super Bowl meal, the box is coming to your doorstep. Get your answers into the bunt live at gmail.com. CHPO brand, doing it for the people, yo. So we heard an interview that Salman Agav became the team manager for Label and kicked off a bunch of guys at once. Yep. Was that his call coming in as the new team manager? Or did you see that coming from Lucero? I still honestly don't know. I think he only was team manager for a week, but within that week, you know, oh, shit. like something like that. You know, I still never really got the full, full story. Lucero, later on, I, he said he was going through this crazy divorce and put the company in control of people that he, I guess, regretted doing or whatever. But yeah, I didn't see it coming at all, to be honest, because they said they were going to do a new video and so was filming for it. And then they called me and said they weren't going to do a video. And I was like, well, hey, my buddy's working on this video called Reason to Believe. I'm going to go work on that. And so they actually gave me the footage they had for the Reason video. And then uh, I get a call from Solomon, and he's like, asked me why I'm working on this video and not a label video. And I'm like, we're, I was told we're not doing a video. They actually gave me the footage for this video. Then he's like, well, you know, your, the, your next paycheck's going to be your last and blah, blah, blah. And then I Damn. tried to call Lucero, and he never answered my calls. And then after that phone call, Solomon never answered my calls. And so yeah, it was just kind of in the dark on what was going on. Uh, I know Rakestraw, I think, got kicked off as well. But Chet kind of went to bat for him because they're both from North Carolina. So I think he was off for maybe a day and got back on. But Damn. That sounds uh, a little shady. So, I, I mean, I ended up... I moved to Orange County for a little bit and I went to label and, you know, I went and, you know, said what up to him or whatever, but it was still weird. You know, Lucero, I guess, loosely apologized and whatever, but I don't know. It's still, I still never really got the full story on why things were done the way they were, but it, it is what it is. That's weird though, because, I mean, as a kid, I felt like you were one of the faces of the brand. Yeah, if not the face. But. Yeah for real <laughs> that's weird to hear but that's what it seemed it. like up here in canada yeah. <laughs> like that's the image we got it fucked up bro yeah i mean shit i still love the brand man i, I never would have left you know yeah it was also odd too because uh lucero was always worried that i was gonna go over to zero or something because you know he'd started black box actually that was my first job when i moved to california i worked at black box for a little bit while i was riding for label mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, Alabama homies were working at Black Box that I already knew. 
So I would go there and say what up and skate their park and stuff. And I think he was always worried that Jamie was like enticing me. But yeah. that was that was never never the deal, you know. I was just friends with everybody over there and go kick it. Yeah, but you knew Jamie for a long time, right? Uh, I never knew him in Alabama. After Chad went to Black Box, he he came through town a couple times. But like uh, when I went to that Glenfest with him, I didn't really know him. Like I we knew each other. We'd met a couple times, but it was very brief. He told us that. After your reason to believe part, you contemplated retiring and just moving home, working a landscaping job, and potentially giving up skating. Uh, I did. Like yeah. the the I got a landscaping job the day I got kicked off label because I was like, well, shit. If I'm my last paycheck's coming, I better go ahead and get a job. And so I did that, and then was still filming for Reason, and Reason came out, and then yeah, I was. Because I was already had momentum filming that video, so I wasn't gonna, you know, I was never gonna quit skating. But I was just like, well, I mean, I'll get this done, and then I'll just go about my life or whatever. Yeah. And then he was like, he pretty much called me and said, you know, you you can't put out a part like that and then just quit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I didn't exactly quit, you know what I mean? So, and I'm very bad at like uh, self promoting. I'm not gonna call anybody up and try to get stuff like i wasn't going to do it with label they they made the tape for me and you know they just said just get the address and then we'll send it you know so yeah i was fine with just being at home you know that's crazy so you eventually ended up moving back to california like you said and working at black box yeah again getting your own board with zero how did that how did that whole thing shake out with jamie getting you back on board well he just called me that like he said you know you can't put out a part like that and just quit you know we've got a spot for you at zero it was kind of like you know you 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 get out of it what you put into it so you know if you come out here and bust ass and this and that you can get more if you you kind of want to just do whatever you can do whatever and so i mean since i had another window i, I moved back out there because joel had pretty much joel made that video and then he was done filming you know he had a family he had a proper job he was like a structural engineer so he moved to atlanta and had a a proper job so you know it wasn't going to be easy to film here because i would have loved to nowadays you can stay wherever you are almost and film you know but it was a little different back then so yeah i I just went for it again sick (laughs) so we heard there's a little issue where you were killing it so hard at work that you became the uh the shipping manager yeah which then meant you couldn't go on all the zero trips and then that was kind of like a little issue because you're trying to film for a zero video but then you're so good in the warehouse that you couldn't leave well yeah like i started working just packing boxes and i guess i was doing that well enough to where they made me like the shipper's assistant i think within two weeks of that happening the shipping guy quit and so it fell onto me since I pretty much had been his assistant. And uh, I don't know, man. It, uh, it, I think it could have shaked out a little differently. But because when I was shipping, we had another shipper that could have, you know, shipped for me. You know what I mean? And I was told I was going to go on trips. But then the trips would happen and I wouldn't be on them, you know. So I don't know. That's kind of an, another... I guess bad taste in my mouth 
that whole deal. Yeah, that's a bummer because you're trying to film a video part, but then you're stuck in the warehouse. Yeah, and it was, it was also at the time... Too good of a worker, man. At the time, uh, they were trying, I guess, to make meet certain quotas. And mm-hmm. so the warehouse started working 8 to 8 every day. Oh, man. And so I would have to try to go film on my lunch break. <laughs> but then it also was was hard because Jamie wouldn't use anybody that wasn't a black box filmer. And, ah. you know, it was just all these... I don't know. It was just a lot of red tape, I guess you could call it, or hoops I had to jump through. And it was just, it made it so hard to actually go out and film and do stuff, you know? So I became more of a a warehouse guy than, you know, uh, a skater. (laughs) So. Did it ever reach a boiling point between you and the chief where you're like, fuck, man, what do you want from me? Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I quit. I just said, dude, I can go home and work a normal job and have a better quality of life than being out here, staying at Black Box. And, you know, like you called me, I'm out here yeah. and like, you know, now I'm it, fucking stuck in the warehouse. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's not I didn't come out here to work in the warehouse. I actually started working <laughs> in the warehouse because the goal was I wanted to end up being the team manager. Oh, and I was like, it'll be I'll just start in the warehouse and learn everything from the bottom up. And, like, I already know how to go out on trips and skate. You know, I was like, I can skate with the people still and, like, skate rails with them or sessions, you know, and, like, get them pumped and then also check them into their hotel rooms. And, <laughs> but, uh, and make sure they're eating. Yeah, so that was kind of the – it was – it was it had a goal in, in mind, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. But that didn't pan out as well. So when – pretty much what happened is I was on a trip back here for like a vac- like a holiday or something and in that trip um the team manager quit and then they made ryan bobie a team manager and i was just like well i'm out, I'm out of here you know yeah. it was like final straw yeah exactly you know um i don't know i'm i'm i don't want to sound bitter but it's just i don't know it was just think the way things played out was very weird and odd so I was just like, you know, I I can go home. I can be happy in Alabama. I I still have a lot of my friends I hang out with and skate with. So I'm not, you know, I'm actually missing a lot of stuff at home that I could be doing. So So what's your relationship with the chief like now then? I mean, I haven't really talked to him since I left, to be honest. You know, he uh, right before I left, he took me out back and kind of apologized that I kind of got lost in the background or whatever. And he gave me, like, uh, a gas card for the ride home, like, for, you know, to help me out. But mm-hmm. that was really it. But he was also, uh, he also seemed a little more concerned that I was going to go ride for somebody else. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even trying to get sponsored, man. Like, <laughs> like I don't want a, a third company to ride for now. Like, the, the first two haven't ended well. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of over it. So, I mean, I'm always going to skateboard, but I don't have to be a fucking pro skater. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Like, I never felt like I fit in anyway. I always, always felt like, uh, what's that movie? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, like I, I got a golden ticket and you know what I mean? Like the, the tour was over. So I, I went back home. <laughs> I got to see everything from the inside for like a little bit and then go back home. Yeah, so that's a crazy one and it, don't get me wrong like jamie did a lot for me you know what i mean like he helped me out a lot at the very beginning 
Um, I mean, he took me to that that demo. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't have hatred for him or anything. It's just the, the way things like with Lucero and then him, the way things played out. I just I don't know. Just the whole industry kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. So just seemed like California wasn't for you, man. This day and age of skateboarding might have suited you a lot better, like you said, when. You can be a pro from wherever you want in the world nowadays. Man. Yeah. You don't have to move to California. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to be here, though, for real. Back in Bama, man. Yeah, for real. But when you were still in Cali, Jamie hooked you up with Circa. So you were on Circa for some of the glory days. What was it like traveling then? Oh, madness, man. <laughs> yeah. Madness. Uh, yeah, that was actually... When I went to that California trip where Alfaro met me. That's the first time I'd really left the South other than like a high school band trip to Washington, D.C. And then so I'm in California and then Baby Ice calls me. He's like, yo, you want to go to Japan? (laughs) Baby Ice, Muska's assistant? No, no, he was the the team manager. manager. Oh, for Circa, yeah. Yeah, they pretty much were like, you want to go to Japan? I was like, sure. (laughs) <laughs> so you know what I mean with like yeah. I think I'd been in California a month and then I'm going to Japan, so that was wild. I think we were there for two weeks, but it was like it's like Appleyard, Caswell, Adrian, Colt Cannon. Yeah, it was it was intense, man. I again, you know, it was just like how did I get in with this group of dudes, man? I don't belong <laughs> here. <laughs> but yeah, and then we also went to like some local like Zoomies signings or whatever like around Southern California and we ended up at a hotel room and uh, Muska took us out to some club and you know it was just you know you go to the front of the line you they said some name they opened the velvet rope you go in we had our own table with bottle service um, <laughs> and next thing I know I'm holding Kirsten Dunce's purse because she was friends with Muska's girl and they came on our booth, and she had to. They had to use a bathroom. They're like, "We hold our purses." I was like, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it was it was super weird. And then you know, we all leave together, and it's paparazzi everywhere. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like a weird scene to see, like from the inside instead of the oh, outside yeah. looking in. You know? That's so funny, man. Mosca, man. Just a just a young boy from Mississippi, yo. Yeah, yeah pretty so much, man. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, and the, his Muska beats had just come out, or no, they ha- hadn't come out yet. But we had a copy in the van. We were like listening to between signings. Yeah, it was pretty dope. And then shortly after, I wasn't on them too long, and then I got on Decline. Damn, man, Circa. I must have been a, a trip for a sec. But uh, back to Kirsten for a second. I heard she. <laughs> yeah. I heard she. I heard she came at you, yo. No, no. Dude, actually, what's funny is Muska came up. You go, hey, what's up? What's going on? Hey, this is my friend. He's from Alabama. And she looks at me. She goes, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you sorry for, man? Alabama's sick. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. what I meant by came at you. Like, she, like, she took a dig at you. Yeah. Like, well, not I mean, like she was trying to come up, like, holler at you. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely took a dig. That's for sure. <laughs> sure. Come at Bama, eh? <laughs> Well, that's what I love about this place. Like, you hear Alabama and you, you immediately have this stereotypical opinion of what it is. But, mm-hmm. and it is, you know, you go out in the rural areas, but, you know, there's rural areas in California that are exactly like out here with, you know, backwards thinking or whatever. But, you know, the city, Birmingham, is actually kind of like a little hidden gem. 
Yeah, you guys got mad spots too, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember like one of Hardy's last parts was like his like home grown oh, yeah. or whatever yeah. it was called. You guys got some dope spots. Yeah, between here and Huntsville, there's some some good stuff. And we also have Ghetto Banks, which is one of the sickest spots. Oh, speaking of Ghetto Banks, can you tell us about the time you got beat up there? Oh, man, yeah. Oh, speaking of? <laughs> you just had that one in your back pocket, eh? Yeah. yeah uh, this is way before, you know, coming to California and all that. And pretty much it's in these uh, projects. You don't say. And they'd fenced off <laughs> this whole block area, and they were completely renovating them. So nobody was living in them. And we had pretty much turned it into like a skate park. We'd built a pyramid and a bank ramp. Because it's, it's pretty much, it's an old 70s outdoor skating rink. And one side of it has that bank. It's, it's I don't know, like 50 yards wide or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, we, we built all this stuff. And we were, there was probably like 15 of us out there skating. And this group of dudes were coming from playing basketball and there was a hole in the fence and they came through and pretty much they go, yo, what y'all doing out here? And this kid's like, oh, we're skateboarding. And they just go, oh, y'all can't hear me? And the kid's like, we're, we're out here skateboarding. And he, one of the dudes just hit one of the kids Damn. and they just scattered. Like, and then it was just me and, cause they were all like young. And then me and one other dude were like the older dudes. And so we just started fighting, but it was like, I don't know two of us and eight of them so it was like four on one and four on one but uh yeah (laughs) got the shit beat out of us pretty much like broke a two by four over my head but it'd been sitting out in the rain so i you know it was probably like rotted or whatever but like you know one they had one on one hand a dude had another hand another dude had like a whole handful of my hair and they were just pretty much beating me in the back yeah it was it was fucked but I was able to get a hold of one dude's pocket on his jacket, and I just yanked, and it ripped. And he's like, he let go, and he's like, oh, my jacket. And then I swung and hit the dude that held my other arm. And as soon as I got free, I just bolted for the hole yeah, and got shit. out of there or whatever. <clears throat> what about your boy, though? Chase, he... Uh, he's still there fighting for himself. Yeah. <laughs> and then eight no, on one? <laughs> he, was like the, he was like a dude that would come around. He didn't really, he wasn't good at skating, but he just liked to do it. And he was kind of a bigger guy, so he was trying to run. And they picked, because, like, we had painted the ramps and whatever, and there was, like, an old paint bucket. And one of, them, one of the dudes just picked it up and chucked it randomly, and it hit him in the back of the head. Wow. He was bald-headed, so it, it gashed his head open. And so we went to the hospital, got him stitched up. And then, oddly enough, we went to eat at a Ruby Tuesdays, where my friend got me a job that night. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I went talking to the manager. I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry I'm kind of weird. I just got jumped. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, he's like, when can you start? So <laughs> so I was, a, I, it was my set. I, was, I needed a second job to make some more money. So I, I was getting a busboy job there. And I didn't go there to get an interview. We actually went there to eat. And he was like, hey, man, manager wants to talk to you. I'm like, dude, now's not a good time. <laughs> he's like, oh, he don't care. I told him what happened. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. That was a weird one. I don't know if I should thank Hardy for getting us to ask that question because it was mostly unpleasant, but at least it had a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we we went there oh, in like a, a big squad the next day, just like, you know, you're not going to run us out of our spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ready and willing next time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, 
Well, that's the thing, too, man. I, I chucked my board over the fence because I didn't want that to become a weapon against me. Oh, you know what I mean? Because there was, there was enough of them where I could have maybe hit one or two of them, but they would have eventually got a hold of it. So I, I, I thought it better to just get rid of it. Yeah. And, you know, get it out of the equation and then just, you know, fight with the fist. Luckily, no other kind of weapons came out. But you already know what that feels like, man. And there's multiple clips of you beating yourself up with your skateboard. <laughs> yeah. What, what was up with all that, man? Why'd that become a trend? I don't know, man. I really don't. It's just I get frustrated with myself, and I don't have anything to punch, so I'll just <laughs> headbutt my board. I, I, I can't explain it, man. It, it literally just kind of came out of nowhere, and then every now and then, I just, you know, you're your own worst enemy, so I'd get yeah. in my own head and was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the zero boys. It's, maybe it's a zero thing, but then I was like, "Well, you were on label, yeah." And then Carrie Getz was one of the greats at that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it actually started after I got on label. I think I was stressing because of the pressure of trying to like mm-hmm. not blow this opportunity that I had. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm yeah, just yeah. yeah I, I really kind of believe that's where it started. Putting pressure on myself and then trying to live up to it, I guess. So one of our favorite things to do is uh, go behind the scenes on some of our guests' most epic clips. And uh, 5 El Toro, I specifically remember Shred Central premiered the video here, the little skate park we all grew up at, basically. And uh, that was the last trick. We all lost it. 5 a 20-stair round rail which was apparently first try as well. Yeah. Can you take us behind the scenes on that sesh? Yeah. Um, in the same video, I there's this rail called the Punisher. It's at Mirlands. It's, <laughs> it's a 20 or 21 stair. And there's a long hallway, and then there's a, a really mellow 14. Oh, yeah, you did yeah. the line. I did that line. I did that the week before um, El Toro. So you're feeling yourself. Well, yeah, I was like, <laughs> if, I, if I get this line... There's no reason I shouldn't go try that. So it was kind of like, if I get this, then it's on. You know what I mean? So I got that line, super hyped, and set it up with Burnett. And then, yeah, just got in the car and started heading out there and stressing over it or whatever. Get there, and there's like 30 kids, like skater kids, just skating around or whatever. Burnett has has them go sit far in the background and they all just kind of posse up in this big group or whatever and start skating up to it i try three 50 50s and i don't make any of them i get to the bottom and my weight's just wrong so i I, you know i know if i land i'm gonna land heavy heels and i'm gonna get will bite yeah and so instead of doing that i just bailed you know i always would land and roll that was my bail you know yeah yeah and on the third 50 i get a hill i started the beginnings of a hill bruise and I'm just like, well, you know, I might as well just yeah. move on because fuck the 50, yeah, 50. fuck it, you know. Like I, I, I've got maybe one or two more tries before this hill blows out, you know. And so I don't know. I just rolled up to it, and I don't know. Just like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna do it right here, and <laughs> went around. I came back, did it. But actually, the footage that you see is my second try because I landed my front foot kind of skips forward 
like it skips a little bit it lands on my nose and my my nose breaks a little bit oh. and then my, it makes my back foot kind of shimmy so my toe like touches the ground for a second and i'm like well fuck man like i can't <laughs> you, you know i'm not gonna do yeah. this and do it like shitty you know I, I gotta try it again and so i did it actually first and second try what and then uh <laughs> and then was thankfully done with it <laughs> dude it was so perfect too good thing you did it like you had the balls to do it again because it came out like exactly how you would want it the second time yeah exactly and i was so i was like please don't break because you know yeah. i had the the you could see the crack like right at the bolts so you could yeah. see the grip tape where it was like ripped you know jagged and i'm like <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man just don't land too far forward on that foot and you should be That's good crazy I feel like that was that stood as the gnarliest trick on El Toro for a long time. Like people were hitting it few and far between back yeah. then. Yeah. And then kind of maybe I don't know five in the next five ten years after that, people started going there a lot more. But that was like for a long time just like yo five zero round rail first of all even a flat bar is scary for most people. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like, um, I'd wanted to do try to skate that rail since Mumford did it and. Uh, was it the reason? the reason? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But then, then like other stuff started going down on it. I think uh, Tosh feebled it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I can't remember if Arto front boarded it before I five would it. I can't remember the order. But you know, I was like, that was another reason I had to hurry up and get there because you know the spot was starting to get more attention. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Minic Maddie came out before. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And. What else? Uh, yeah, Heath Heath lip slid it too. Oh, well, that was the that was the original. But at, when Mumford did it, I didn't realize that was the same rail because oh, Heath yeah. was filmed completely different. Yeah, that five zero was the one though. Dude, yeah. What's the feeling like of riding away from El Toro, man? Blissful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's dope. yeah, it's it's amazing, man. Just wanting to do something for so long, or you know, having it in your head and can't get it, get it out, and then you finally. You know, check that off your list of things you don't have to do anymore or, or worry about doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, dude, if you're filming a part and you get those two things within a matter of a couple of weeks, like your opening line, which is insane, a rail that like no one's ever touched in a line, and then to finish it off with El Toro must have been a pretty nice time. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, you 50, what is that one like a 21, the Punisher? Yeah, it's something like that somewhere. I don't something remember the like count. That. 50, that back nose grind the back the nose bench. grind impressed me man i and never seen you do a back smith nose grind, grind the long 14 did yeah. you ever mess up the back nose grind the first one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i was actually trying i think i took me six tries to get that line um like six 50 50s mm-hmm. yeah i messed up the first back nose grind and uh this kid that was filming me at the time his name was danny jassy uh i turned to him and i'm like I will not do that again. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. going to mess that up again. But I was trying to front salad the 14. Damn. And I ate shit about a good five times. And I was I was hurting. And I was like, all right, man, I'm going to just smith it. Because, like, this, this salad is not working. I got to do something else, you know? Yeah. And then I, I got the smith one first go. And was just like... Thank God. Go. <laughs> but you did get the salad after as a single. I yeah. Think, right? I'd so. already done the salad. And so oh. I was I was trying to like, you know, piece, you could piece it together, you yeah, know, yeah, in yeah, editing yeah. however you wanted. You got two lines there. 
What's that? You had another line with the back five zero on the bench too, right? Yeah, what I do nose grind after yeah. that? I, I can't remember. Dude, you did a lot of tricks on that. I love that rail, man. That rail's yeah. my favorite rail out there. You get run up for days. The nose slide was the illest. You're going Mach 10. Yeah. But uh, that, yeah, just respect on that back nose grind. That's probably one of the uh, ballsiest back nose grinds to, <laughs> to choose to do. I would just go rail to rail. I ain't risking shit in the middle. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, what's cool, man, uh, Danny Jaxie, or Danny, what is Jassy? He uh, he made an edit and put it on YouTube. So it actually has both lands of El Toro. Like you can see the one with the toe drag. And then it has all the attempts on the 50 before the salad and all that. So Damn, we got to watch that. Yeah, I got to find that. Um, So we mentioned Heath real quick. This was the uh, controversial thing that I thought of on the spot that I I just need to ask you real quick. So you're you're good friends with Heath. But you're also really good friends with Hardy. Yeah. In Hardy's interview, he told oh. us the extremely gnarly story of uh, he like basically beating the shit out of him and like putting powder on him or some shit. No, I I, I sums it up to hazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, we were just you know being rough, having fun. Like actually, um, speaking <laughs> of the was Punisher. Well, not everyone. <laughs> Speaking of the Punisher, I had actually tried to five zero it before we went oh. up there, and uh, I I don't know if I dislocated or broke my pinky toe, so mm. I could I couldn't really walk, and so we drove up to L.A. to stay with them, and they were shooting my foot with a airsoft gun. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were always like that, and then it was his birthday, so we thought we'd you know fuck with him a little bit, and it I don't know it escalated, and you know dumb shit <laughs> but no you know actually i talked to him after that interview and he's like you know what like i think he said he squashed it with heath he doesn't he goes he's not as uh bitter he goes i got i sounded bitter I, I guess i'm not as bitter as i sounded in that interview or something like that I can't remember exactly what he said but it, from the what i gathered it's it's all over with now he doesn't hate him anymore Squashed. Well, I forgot you were even a part of it. I was just gonna ask, like, being friends with both of them, how'd you feel that Heath, like, fucked up your boy? But I completely forgot you were part of it. So. I, was, I was actually my idea. I was like, let's let's, <laughs> like, let's tie him up and hose him down and like, you know, like, you know, fuck with him. Cause, oh, I don't know. No. We always did that shit to each other, but I don't know. I don't know if he took it personal or I, maybe it went a little too far. But it was all in love. <laughs> <laughs> So, earlier this season, we had Pat Burke on the show. In his rapid fire, he said the gnarliest trick he's ever witnessed was a 50-50 you did down what could have been a 30-stair. Yeah. He said you guys had taken a long van ride, maybe like three hours to the spot. You were trying to warm up, tried a couple kickflips, and ended up eating shit and said, fuck the kickflip, I'm just hitting the rail and 50 the rail. Yeah, I remember my trucks, I couldn't go straight. No matter how, you know, they kept pulling to one side, and so I'd almost have to tic-tac to get it to go straight. Uh-huh. And oh, were so, you riding the monster trucks? Was that the problem? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, I was riding Destructos, but I, I don't know if it had been sitting in the van weird, like a lot of weight on it. and I don't know what was going on, but it kept pulling to one side because there was like a bench before it, so I was wanting to try to get a line together to it, but I just couldn't get my board to go straight so it was everything i could do just to get to that rail kind of where i wanted to be mm-hmm. and uh 
But we actually had gone to a skate park. Tony Cervantes was gonna, um, he was trying to do a hand plant photo, but he could never, he tried it for a while and he couldn't do it. It made his stomach start to hurt. So he kind of gave up on it. He's like, well, I know this. And it was like we were talking about earlier. He goes, yeah, I got a rail. I think you can skate. And so (laughs) it took me this. How many times have you heard that? (laughs) Oh, too many, man. Too many. But, you know, it's also flattering that they know, you know, what I can do or whatever or have done. So, but yeah, I went there and like it had this weird fire hydrant kind of thing right at the top. So you didn't want to get in wrong because you could, you know, slam into that and probably like bust your face open so with that with the trucks it was a it was kind of a struggle because you know it's weird when your board's pulling one way and you got to tic-tac it to get it straight and then have the right speed and everything but i'd already jumped on it a couple times and i'm really bad about trying something and then leaving it and coming back like days later it's like you build it up in your head that it's bigger than it is or whatever so Mm -hmm. it's almost better to just do it while you're there in the moment so yeah, I destroyed a bush because I didn't want to give up on it, and then finally I got into a good one and took her home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, gotta ask, huge fans of your skating and obviously all your parts and shit. But one thing we noticed, thanks, man, was where's the switch and nollie game, man? <laughs> it's uh, it's it's just it's here in my own little private sessions. <laughs> no, I got nothing switch, man. But, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, it, before when I was staying at Black Box, I was messing with Nolly stuff. I was learning Nolly manual tricks and stuff on the on the manual pad or whatever. But I know I can't go fast doing those tricks. So, you know, <laughs> I don't spend as much time on them as I do just the basics. I'm kind of like a simple man to please, you know, just give me like a Smith or a 5.0 at Mach 5 and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us about the time you and James Hardy quit skating for a summer to compete in airsoft competitions at some sketchy place? <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> it wasn't competitions. What it was, it was that building that we ended up skating, like a front side flip through the window. Oh, okay, the abandoned um, place. It was just something that we would do when we weren't skating. We would go to this abandoned building and just have these like airsoft wars. And we were there after, like, having, like, you know, a battle. We were all just hanging out, talking <laughs> shit. And uh, we were looking around, and we are like, hey, look at this floor. Cause, you know, it was all covered in glass and old, you know, yeah. shit just laying everywhere. So we had a broom in the car, and we kind of brushed it. And we are like, this ground, you could skate it. And so, you know, that's kind of how that evolved into us turning it into somewhere to skate, is oh, from going okay. there. Um, and what the funny thing is, is uh, my mom ended up later in life, got remarried to a cop. And him and his son liked to go play paintball. And he was like, hey, do you know anywhere we could go play paintball? Oh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> well, actually, there's this one spot that we go to, but we keep getting kicked out by the cops. And he he's like, all right. He calls me about like a half hour later. He's like, yeah, I called the precinct to find out what cops are on duty in that area. And I got a hold of them, and you're not, you won't have any problems there anymore. What? Yeah, so it was basically like, hey, you go play paintball here, but we're going to all turn it to somewhere to skate. And so yeah. it kind of turned into that. That's a fair trade. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yo, catch the people up. What are you up to these days? What's popping with Ben Gilly, man? 
Man, uh, I came out here, pretty much started a family. Uh, got me a daughter and a lady. Just bought a house. So, uh, you know, I, I was kind of lost when I, I left. Because I, when I quit zero and everything, I literally just hit reset on life. And moved out here kind of aimless, not knowing what I was going to do. So it's actually cool now because, uh, you know, I got a family. So just trying to be the best dad I can be. It's basically, it's basically got my, all my focus, you know, but what's cool is we have a bunch of friends of mine. It's probably about 16 of us. We rent out this warehouse and we all have, um, our motorcycles in there. So it's all, it's like a, our garage away from our house mm-hmm. and across the streets, an old abandoned warehouse. So we have like a, a kind of like a DIY spot across the street. But basically, that's, you know, I'll go there and skate across the street and then hang out with the homies and then come home and hang out with my daughter. Sounds that's, like a biker gang's clubhouse to me, man. Yeah, it, yeah well, I wouldn't say gang, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bunch of choppers and all kinds of shit in there. It's pretty fun. We call it the dojo. It's a mess. <laughs> like, we built a bar in there. So, you know, we have our own bar. So we can all just hang out there and get into get into trouble there. We got a backyard where we have bonfires, so it's our like our own little enclosed little fun little haven. It's a little clubhouse, man. I like it. We got a little shitty mini ramp in the back, but we're we're gonna rebuild it. It's it's not that good. (laughs) Love it, man. So pressing the reset button uh, was a smashing success. Sounds like you're doing great. What's next for Ben Gilly? I don't know, man. I'm just one day at a time, to be honest. I don't know. I'd like to do one more video part, but oh, shit. you know, and it's actually funny because my daughter's now at a at a point in her life. She's she's a little over four, so I can actually you know go out and do stuff for me, you know, because like you know those first years are very crucial. You got to try to be there as much as you can. I couldn't have been on the road traveling when she was an infant and toddler, you know, mm-hmm. so. There's this kid here that films. Maybe try to get with him and start getting some stuff. But my main focus has been on my daughter. But you know, you have a hiatus from something long enough, you you start craving it. For sure. Well, yo, she's four now. She's just about ready to go off to college. Time for you to do your thing again, man. Get back in them streets. (laughs) (laughs) I just got her aboard not long ago. So. Oh shit. Uh Well, uh, yo, we we're definitely gonna need. One of them vintage Gilly 50s for our video. Your 50-50 in uh, Dying to Live was an all-time epic clip that I'm sure everyone remembers with your classic barrel roll, bail yep. that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> yep. So special request, uh, a Gilly 50 for the bunt video. Absolutely, man. <laughs> yes, I, I would be honored. Sick. Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost, and this week, it's an honor to be brought to you by Spitfire Wheels. The new Embers capsule is available now, featuring Formula 4 99 Duro Classics, radials, and conical fulls. Each shape comes in two different colors and two different sizes. Check your local shop now and ask for the Spitfire Embers. Me personally, you know I'm in them streets, skating 52s, 32 and a half width, 99 Duro, Formula 4s all day. If you ain't riding Spitfire, man, you tripping, cuz. 
All right. Favorite skater? Arto or Heath. And But then you also got Templeton, man. It's, it's really hard to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite video? Side on scene. Favorite video part? Reynolds, stay gold. Favorite style? Dylan Reader. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? You know, oddly enough, the first video part that somebody influenced me was Frank Harada. I remember his video part in Tentacles of Destruction was like one that stuck out to me. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? Booznitz. Mark Johnson. Favorite trick? Just a, a fast 5-0. Ooh. Hardest trick for you? Any kind of fakey flip trick. Most illegal trick? Crook back lips. <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? The last trick of the friend section in the Zero video. The, Dude, was sick. It? Uh, miss, no, Dying to Live. Dying to yeah. Live. Dying yeah. to Live, yeah. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed? Gnarliest trick. God, I, you know, I, I thought about this earlier today and I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's because you were doing them, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, you know, you know what's funny? Uh, that trick I just mentioned, in, immediately after that, I think we went and got some. It was a circuit trip. And maybe like half an hour later, uh, Chris Cole did that kickflip backside nose blunt on a handrail. Oh, like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was probably like an hour after I grinded that rail. And I'd never, wow. you know, between him and Allie, you don't really see people doing that trick. Yeah. Baby Ice must have been proud of you guys that day. <laughs> yeah. What's the one trick that got away? 5-0 and the Punisher. Oh, yeah. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? Probably Austin Seaholm, uh, <laughs> like Mad Dog and the judges at the Tampa Pro in like what was it oh three? It was it was pretty hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he bunted uh, receiving that trophy hard. Hey, oh, that too. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, threw that shit like a frisbee. <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, he cooked himself right out of the industry before he yeah, even for real. got to get going, <laughs> yep. unfortunately. What's the last new trick you learned? Fakey front shoves, like down a gap. Sick. Jeez. What's your dream job after skating? Just being self-employed. <laughs> there you go. Favorite local brand? Faith Skate Supply. Favorite local skater? Jason Salilas. I think I said his last name right. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? The monster trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I, I, when you said destructo, I was like, I thought you rode for monster, but uh, I remember your name on those ads, yo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite teammate ever? Marissa Del Santo. Oh, sick. Yo, legend. Worst teammate ever? Shiloh Greathouse. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> Is there a story there or just? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a story there. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like I said, I'd gotten on the climb after Circa. And then it was like me. It was like me, Melcher. God, I can't think of who else right now. It's so long ago. But um, they put on Mike York and Shiloh Greathouse. And we had to go up to um, Hollywood for like a photo shoot. We all met in a hotel room, and they sh they pulled out all the new shoes that they were gonna that was gonna be coming out, and then we go out that night, and Shiloh just starts talking shit on Heath, like talking about he's like Heath's like he doesn't know how to be a good human being and all this, and I'm just like yo man like 
whatever beef you and Heath have, like, I'm not a part of it. So, you know, just leave me out of it. And then he starts, like, sizing me up. He's like, do you think you could, think you could beat me up? And I was like, oh, what, what are you talking about? You know, it was just being super weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. Do you, do you want to go outside and, and see or whatever? Like, <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, I'm just, you know, I'm just talking or whatever. And then you know, the next day we're doing a photo shoot. He doesn't show up or whatever. You know, it was just super whack. I had, like, the, the worst first impression of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why is this dude, is he trying to fight me? Is he trying to, like, test me out? I don't, you know. And uh, and then I remember talking to Heath about it, and he's like, that's kind of funny. I've never met him. Oh, what the <laughs> God. Yeah, so I was like, so, um, and my contract was up, so I ended up quitting, like, the next day. Just, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm not going to be on the same team as that dude. Damn. And then started getting america stuff immediately after that and going on trips with him so that worked out <laughs> but yeah it was just really weird man i just met him and he was just being super that's so odd super whack so it sounds like it worst company termite skateboards oh, <laughs> yeah they were funny man <laughs> yeah or like web trucks yeah. man there's so many you could you could name Termite, man. Termite had sick ads, though, back in the day. Z-Rollers, maybe? <laughs> yeah, that's an easy one. <laughs> Worst trend? Uh, girl jeans. Not the, not the company, but like when dudes were wearing like skin-tight girl pants. Yeah, it was, hey, man. It was, a bunch of your boys were rocking those. Yo, yo, but that's the crazy thing. When we watched his parts, like you always had baggy clothes. And mm-hmm. like there was like stereotypical for gnarly guys to wear tight clothes back in, in that time. Yeah, but you always had like super baggy pants. Yeah, I, I'm always behind on the trends, so you know, <laughs> baggy pants were already, like already out. But I was just getting into them, I guess, and I just never, you know, my pants are skinnier today, but they're not skin tight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny though, because the chief, like Chris Cole, they all had that phase, didn't they? Yeah, tight, tight pants. Yeah, duffel, like yeah, they were like, I mean, they look like spandex on, on some of them. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, duffel for sure. <laughs> even reynolds had a, his phase yeah um, oh yeah that's when yeah because i remember at faith th- those crew jeans were like oh, the hottest yeah. thing for that one summer mm-hmm. too yeah, yeah. Just I was every on, kid in town had skin tight jeans on it's pretty rough <laughs> i was on crew for a long time and uh way too many times i accidentally ordered the skin tights because i'm going off the oh website you know, yeah. i'm like oh those will look sick like those look sick get them and i could barely pull them up I remember I dressed as a hipster for Halloween one year, and I put some of those on. <laughs> Anyways, worst style? Uh, Austin Seaholm. Oh! <laughs> That's a good one. Last person you want on the sesh? Uh, Shiloh. <laughs> yes. That's it. Yeah. Gotta give it to him. Ants, you know what to do, man. It's raining grenades and gunshots right now, right? Yeah, buds, you handled that. Rapid fire like a boss, dog. Yeah. I mean, we love Darrell, but that was the opposite of uh, Darrell's rapid fire. <laughs> All I, haven't right, heard, I haven't listened to his yet. It just kind of—it's not out yet. It comes out to, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Oh, sick! All right. <laughs> well, I got something to listen to at work tomorrow. Oh yeah, man! All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up our interview. The legend, Mr. Ben Gilly, Bama represent. Thank you for coming on the show, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, man. Thank you.
Welcome back to the post office brought to you by our good friends over at Time Bomb Trading. And we are super happy to announce the brand new America video green featuring John Dixon and Dakota Servold is premiering the whole month of February. February 13th, the world premiere goes live in Los Angeles. And February 20th, your local shop can have a premiere of its own. February 21st, the video goes live to Thrasher for everyone who can't make it out to watch for themselves. A video you don't want to miss. 2020, starting off the right way. The brand new America video. All right, say who we got up first. You've got mail. All right, first up, we got an email from Jordan Bell. What's up, Dono and the Ghost? I'm writing you about my good friend, Russell Lee. Russ recently had an accident at work wherein he fell off a building nearly 50 feet to concrete. He shattered his spine and hips and had to undergo extensive reconstructive surgery. Russ is a genuine skate nerd, has every slappy at the local curb, and is well-loved in the Vancouver skateboard community. I was wondering if you could give him a shout out as it is his birthday tomorrow, January 29th. Sorry we missed that, Russell. Moreover, given that he will be recovering in hospital for some time to come and won't be skating for a good minute, I was also wondering if you could ask listeners to send Russ some love. He loves old mags, books, videos, skate memorabilia, or whatever. You can Instagram message me at jazzfootsafetyhands for a mailing address. Finally, since it wouldn't be a bunt episode without some solicitation for a box, I was hoping some Canadian industry types could send one Russ's way. I suppose a box from America would do just fine as well. Thanks, boys. Kind regards, Jordan Bell. Damn, man, that sounds like a terrifying accident. Happy to hear Russ is in the hospital and recovering, and I think we need to find out a way to get him a box, man. But I think Russ would like the memorabilia, skate videos, and Meg's more than product right now. Yeah, I mean, we could send him a, su a super box of sorts, but yeah, if anyone out there is listening, give Russ some love, man. Happy birthday, and... Uh, Hope you get better sooner than later, my dude. If you do want to send him a box at Jazzfoot Safety Hands on Instagram, that's the guy to go to. Russ, get better, man. Hope to see you out skating soon. All right, next up, we got an email from Chris Painter. Do Adam Silver and Scott Van Pelt look like a 7-10 split in bowling? Or does Gardner Minshew look like Tampa's leading cowboy-themed exotic dancer, Randy Rawhide? who you can book for events, big or small, at 1-800-GET-RANDY. It's an interesting email. I'm gonna have to go with both, man. Adam Silver and Scott Van Pelt looking like they could be that 7-10 split. Interesting email to say the least. All right, next up, Jake Leonard. Let's take a listen to this voice note of pain. Hello, Bump Boys. Hope you're well. It's Jake again from the UK. Loving this season. Probably the best selection of guests you've had yet. Uh, so I just wanted to talk to you today about a very depressing subject, which is my kickflips. Obviously, you learn the kickflip very early on. Simple trick. But over the years, it's turned into such a disgusting and depressing mess. Every single kickflip I do rockets. There's only so many different ways you can try it. Uh, and I feel like I've tried them all. Definitely not asking for tips. Just wondering if you guys ever had the same issue or knew anyone whose kickflips took a turn for the worst. Also, just wondering who your top three kickflips were. Mine being Paddy, uh, John Alley, and Mike Carroll. They're my favourites. Wondering what yours are. 
Anyway, big love. Love the pod. Say. Um, shit, B. Well, my kick clips have never been great, so I feel for you regardless. Although I feel like I'm probably making this up, but I feel like I had a decent kick clip when I was a youth before before my very first ankle roll, which was pretty early on in my skate life. So that's my excuse. I've just had bad ankles pretty much since like this first year I started skating. So I'm dust. I can't help you. I'm sorry, bro. I'm in the same boat. To wrap yeah, up you here. came to the wrong place looking for not advice, but you'll get some sympathy because we're the exact same. I feel like mine have just gotten worse and worse over time. I feel like once I learned how to switch foot, <laughs> but what I found in my older age is just don't do them as much, man. You do one good one on the day and just let it be, man. <laughs> That's it. Be happy with one good one. As far as top three go, um, Bobby DeKaiser probably has one of the best kickflips on the planet, so I'm just going to go with top one. I'm good with his. True. Can't go wrong with Bob. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the good homie, Brian Herman. Mm-hmm. Um, shit. Oh, Bama Hardy's had some good ones. Yeah, I was going to say. That one over that big grass cap. Yeah, he just reposted that one that someone yeah. posted of him. He loves doing that. Reposting the glory. <laughs> uh, Herman, Hardy. And these days, everyone has a good kickflip. So you just got to go into the memory banks when it was more rare to have a flawless one. I like the John Alley pick, too. I'll run yeah, that. that's good. High speed kickflip of precision. <clears throat> good luck with yeah, your you kickflip speed. Hopefully they come back. Just don't put too much pressure on it, man. Just, just let it be. <laughs> All right, next up, we got an email from Armando Rodriguez. Hello, fellow bunters. I have a question. What stance would win in a stance war of sin still? I want to say Goofy because I myself make the right foot pop, but Goofies have Wade, Morgan, Tiago, and Shane. Then again, Regs have strong opponents like Spencer Hamilton, Seifa, and Chima. <laughs> what do you all think? Thanks, and keep on bunting. Damn, yo, Armando. How the hell did you get thrown in there? My There's dude. fucking goats in there. For the Goofies, look at the rundown he gave of Goofy people. Wade, Morgan, Tiago, and Shane. <laughs> and then claiming that the Regs have a strong opponent with Spencer and Seifa. <laughs> Armando, yeah. man, you're getting some brownie points with the ghost for sure. You're a legend, Armando. I love you. <laughs> That's, I think it's even. it's got to be even, isn't it? I have no clue. Which way does the shot skate? Goofy? Fuck. It's over. Goofy's got P-Rod, Shane, and Ashad. But then again, we got Reynolds over here, baby. Yeah, we're fucked on. What about Tyshawn? He's Goofy too, isn't he? Uh, no, he's Rex. No, he's... Yeah. Bro, I don't know. That's a... That's the toughest question there is, man. It's too hard. I do really tip the scales being on the reg side. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, you tip them in the wrong direction. But you know what's? You know which side has the most money? <laughs> Regs. Yo, did you see Phil's story last night? There's if you type in Spencer Hamilton net worth. Net why, worth why is that? It comes. Why up does that come up? Forty-one million, doc. <laughs> oh my god. I texted him yesterday. I'm like, yo, Spence, let me hold some bread, cuz. Yeah. And what did he say? He iced the group chat. 
<laughs> but he's down hey, here. He's down here in Miami too. I might have to go. Holler yeah, go him. go borrow a couple dollars off him, man. Kids be uh, bro. Fifty k. Yeah. Hold that, to... uh, Aaron Hernandez's mom, dog. Oh Just let me God. get a million and I'm good, yo. That's it. That's it. I'm trying to be the next Brian Herman, yo. Turn that fifteen k into two million in a couple years. You gonna start a cannabis company? <laughs> nah, man. But uh, yeah, that that question doesn't really have an answer. I'm sure there's like a super skate nerd out there who would actually try and answer that, but we ain't got time for that, bro. But thanks for the email. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up super quick. Post office for this week. The ghost is on vacation, man. So I don't want to take up too much of his time answering emails. But we'll get back to it next week, y'all. Send your voice notes and emails into the bunt live at gmail.com. Real talk. Welcome back to the Rundown, the skateboard world source for sports. One of the biggest days on every calendar for sports fans. The Super Bowl went down this past Sunday, and it did not disappoint. Hell of a game, wouldn't you say? Hell of a game. Ooh, some ups and downs. Some uh, ups and downs in the halftime show as well. Sorry, all ups. That was epic. Yeah, well, there ain't no downs <laughs> in that one. No, just kidding. That was the best halftime performance I've seen ever like even if you wanted to be like a grumpy dude who's like oh get the game back like you had to you were locked in on the screen yo that shit was popping that's funny i actually had that conversation two times last week about what was your favorite super bowl halftime show ever is that that would be yours that's mine J-Lo i mean i've and, only seen limited Shakira? ones but they've mostly been yo. trash yeah, a lot of them have been trashed. Last year, last year was probably the worst of all time, Maroon 5. <laughs> like, get the hell out of here with that. But my favorite is, like, I like J-Lo. That was a good one this year. But Lady Gaga, man, if you spark it with that jump, yeah. her, like, funny jump she did, yeah, yeah, yeah. that shit killed me. Beyonce was I feel like too. there's been more bad than good, though. <clears throat> For sure. But, yeah, this one, I love Shakira. Always have. Oh, so this combo was too crazy it just took me back to high school and it was so much energy the dancing was insane both they they both look the same if not better than they did when we were in high school somehow isn't that fucked up (laughs) it's not right did you see what giannis tweeted after the halftime show he tweeted that it almost got him in trouble man yeah did you see what you know it had to be good hold on i gotta read you this one kendrick perkins tweeted right away too he's funny on twitter he tweeted wifey with a side eye why are you watching the halftime show so hard me oh i was seeing if ja rule was gonna come out as her guest (laughs) yo ja rule's done man how can you not bring ja rule out for that song that was like her biggest track ever i know if they he's done he could need he could use the money too god that's what i'm saying man all right moving past the halftime show like you said ups and downs this is uh question i've been wanting to ask you did the 49ers blow it or did the chiefs win it you know what it's tough to say because the game was going exactly as the 49ers wanted in the first half even up until the third quarter like most of most of the way through the third i feel like it was kind of scary for a second for for the niners when they went when the Chiefs scored on two possessions in a row and it was 10-3 i was a little bit worried for them but then when they made it 10-10 they got the ball going into half 
a big play was that offensive pass interference on George Kittle. If they could have got those three points before halftime. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty soft call, but the right call. <clears throat> but, yeah, I think I got to just give it to the Chiefs, man. I think the Chiefs took that shit. I don't think they got dusted. Like, when it was 20 to 10, the game script, like, yo, the, the 49ers just did their thing. Classic, like, seven-minute drives, and you're just... They'd film Mahomes every once in a while, just chewing his fucking mouthpiece, and you're just like, man, I was I was so bummed of like potentially seeing Mahomes losing on the sidelines again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, twenty to ten when he threw that second pick. Was that at the end of the third or early in the fourth? The one that went through Tyreek's hand. I'm not sure. But that went, it, when they got that, I don't think it was in the fourth yet. Okay, so let's say it was like late in the third, and it's twenty to ten. And they get the ball back. I'm like, here we go. They're just going to run it down their throats and, mm-hmm. like, kill as much clock as possible. And then there won't be enough time for two scores or a score and a field goal. At that point, I was really feeling like, yo, it's over. Like, the defense is too swarming, man. I, you rarely ever see Mahomes flustered, you know? And a few times, he just looked shook. Slash, there's not, like, that was the most I've seen Mahomes check down ever in the first half i'm like yo did alex smith come back to play for them like the fuck's good with these check downs be like it seemed like that was a part of their game plan early on like like you said they didn't use the deep ball the deep ball very much i thought we were going to see a lot more mccall hardman and a lot more of kc's speed i mean richard sherman got absolutely doused this game but i thought it would be even more like they could have exploited the slower side of the 49ers defense but that's what was so confusing but i mean their secondary is obviously elite but fucking it was yeah it was just weird seeing mahomes check down a bunch barely any chunk plays in the first half and <clears throat> yeah 2010 but then yeah I, I wouldn't say the 49ers lost or like gave it away i would just say mahomes i think the biggest play of the game was that second and 15 that got challenged and ruled an incomplete when it when Tyreek kind of caught it with his elbows and it hit yeah. the ground. I was like, oh fuck! But that was like the epitome of a Mahomes throw. Like third and fifteen, most quarterbacks are dead in the water. This guy, they send the blitz. It was so trash, bro. I, I, the yo, 49ers I, blew that game. I thought, Kyle Shanahan blew the Super Bowl. I thought Bowl that was a hail mary. I thought he was just like, yo, fuck. How it. is he open like that? Like, how are there not two guys? That, like, you need the 49ers. There were the so many little, us, man. There were so many little little things that could have just ended the game that didn't. When Bosa smacked the ball out of his hand, if they had recovered it, it's oh, over. Yeah. Um, that was a good play. Bosa played great. There was another couple times they pushed him out of the box. Mahomes was running towards the sidelines. Bosa's chasing him. And usually when he dives and smacks the guys in the legs, yeah, yeah. they'll go down. But somehow he smacked <laughs> him and Mahomes stayed up. I was pissed. Yeah. But that third and 15, there's no excuse for that. Like, he was wide open. He could have kept running, too. Like, the, well, the throw was short. Was he had short, to pull yeah. up and stop for it. But, I mean, look at look at the situation he was in throwing it. Like, he was getting mauled. Oh, there's no blame, but I'm just <clears> saying that there's no way that Tyreek should have been that open. Yeah. And then... Defensive pass interference on Travis Kelsey in the end zone. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, it's in the Super Bowl, and you're going to jump with your back to the ball into Travis Kelsey. That was Like, they're going to call that. That was hilarious. But that was – I think that was actually a smart play in a way. 
I mean, unless like turn around, like he didn't even try to turn around. That was it horrible. was again uh, a ball where Kelsey was gonna have to slow up and make a catch. Like that was at the very beginning of the end zone. There was much more room if Mahomes had to put more air on it. Like you could have made a play on the ball. Yeah, but the Niners blew that one for me, man. I don't think the Chiefs played a spectacular game. They did what they had to do to win, and like I assume they were gonna score 30 points. But Jimmy G has proved to me that you ain't got it, man. You ain't got what it takes. There were multiple chances for you to take over the game and put it out of reach when you're up 10 points. You had that three and out that was absolutely embarrassing. And all he had to do was keep running the ball. I feel like they wanted to show that Jimmy G could throw it, and he made a couple good plays, a couple good throws to Debo, one nice one to Sanders. Kittle was not involved as much as he should have been. And you let this one slip away, man. I was surprised at how much <clears throat> they let him throw the ball in the second half. Like when they were up 20 to 10 and he kept throwing, I'm like, oh, I was like, oh, there, he's not throwing again for the rest of the game. They're just going to keep running. And then he, he just kept throwing, which was interesting. But yeah, he ain't got it. That was the first uh, Super Bowl game where I got to literally just watch it by myself and listen to the commentary. Usually I'm like surrounded by a bunch of people at a party and it was frustrating to watch man because i was cheering for the niners yeah i love how you're all butthurt after i'm like bruh you were like literally two weeks ago in the rundown saying we both love the chiefs and then you're like ah, i'll just go with the niners just to cheer like so we're cheering for different teams I'm like how how did you build up enough of a fandom in two weeks to get butthurt <laughs> You don't. It doesn't need to be fan. I'm just watching the game, and I, you cheer for one team or the other. I know, I know. And a team I was cheering for lost, and lost in like Kyle Shanahan. You think he's gonna get roasted all week or what? I mean, he shouldn't because they. Sh well, maybe he should because they should have won, but I don't know. He doesn't deserve to. He's a hell of a coach. Like he took a team with no quarterback to the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's crazy. So. But that's what would have pissed me off if they won. Like Jimmy G would have been feeling so nice. Probably would have got MVP because he actually threw the ball 31 times. I think Debo Samuel would have fucking won MVP, to be honest. Like, he was fucking everywhere. And yeah. Mostert, he didn't get going to the second half. Like If they had had him involved in the first half, could have been completely different. Could have gave it to one of the guys on the, on the defensive line, too. The defense played great. There were just a couple, couple passes. Like, Tyreek Hill's too hard to... You can't contain him for that long. Man. Yeah. All in all, though, that was an amazing game fucking compared to last year for sure. It was fun. Chiefs fans were definitely stressing. And then <laughs> Mahomes, baby. I mean, it ain't going to get much easier for Kansas City to win a Super Bowl than that. They beat a Houston Texans coachless team, which they were down 24 points to. Then they beat Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, which... I guess it's a good game, but you take Derrick Henry out of the game, not bad. And then they face a 49ers team with no quarterback in the Super Bowl. So wow. probably one of the easiest rings you could get. Wow. You know? So disrespect. If you, if it was well, the What's disrespectful about that? They were, were they were losing in every game too. Like Bruh. the Chiefs weren't the greatest team this year. I don't think If the 49ers won, this was the Chiefs were better last year. If the 49ers won, you would have been like, "Yo, like epic Super Bowl win for them beating like an epic team, but the, it's the other way around." So now you're trying to say We'll never know. They sucked. They destroyed I didn't say they sucked. I said it was a nice they had a a cushiony road to the Super Bowl. You're going to deny that? 
They didn't have to take out no, the road to the Super Bowl. Any wasn't of the that big hard, dogs. But once they got there, that's all I said. The forty. No, but you, then you said the soup. The, the 49ers don't have a quarterback. Like it was an easy ring. You just said that too. Yeah, but I'm still. They're still an insanely good team. Yeah. So I didn't say they weren't. I said they had. They had no quarterback. Bro, rewind it if back. They had a better quarterback. I'm trying to throw salt on my Chiefs. <clears throat> they're my Chiefs too, man. I love the Chiefs. What? Yo. Okay. That's it. I'm done with you. Let me let me read this text sent to me last night from Donovan Jones himself. So one second. <laughs> God damn it, we text too much. Uh, all right, and I'll just read a few texts. What a damn game! The epic Super Bowl the people deserved. That's Dono. Then I said real shit. That's what the fuck I'm sipping on. And then Donovan says, "Man, I hate the Chiefs." <laughs> Because they beat my team in the moment. And then you just said on Wax two seconds ago, there are Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. But which one is it? And then I said, since when? What the fuck? And you're like, since right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's in the moment, man. Uh, Emotions were running high in the moment. I just lost $50 to Max Fine. Oh, shit. And I was cheesed that the... I thought the Niners were going to pull it off. Bro, I was gonna- but, you know, my heart lies with fantasy and... In fantasy, there's a bunch of useful guys on the Chiefs. So when it comes time to draft day next year, I'll probably go right back to the well, man, because I know that's where the points lie. Kelsey, baby. The number one. Yeah, so Kelsey has been crowned the number one tight end in football. George Kittle, man, you didn't do enough. I don't care if you're not getting, like, you got to go to the head coach and say, give me the goddamn fucking ball, man. Real shit. He's so scary. They can't tackle you. They can't tap. Man, there was one time when he caught it off like a two yard gain and turned it into nine yards yeah. with fucking three guys on. On the sideline. Like, line. are you kidding me? On the side, how do you uh, not ask for the ball 10 times? Yeah, he's scary. I like, how many times? How many receptions did he have last night? Him and Debo. It couldn't have been more fucking, than four. Like, you can't stop him and Debo with one guy. George Kittle, four receptions for 36 yards in the Super Bowl. Unacceptable, man. Absolutely unacceptable. That's what I'm saying. Everyone's always. The, the Kittle people are always like. Oh, yo, he's the best blocker. He's an elite blocker. Yo, at some point, you need to put some yards on the fucking board. You get me? Oh, and some shit. points. Travis Kelsey, six receptions, 43 yards. So not, as, not that many more yards, but he had the touchdown. But clear, the clear winner was Damian Williams, man. 17 carries, 104 yards in a TD, four receptions, 29 yards, and another TD. You know who had a good game? Sammy Watkins, man. Yeah, that was shocking. Two Sammy huge fucking catches. Watkins. Five receptions for 98 yards. It's been a, a long time coming for that guy. Battles injuries a lot. Sammy Watkins is Super Bowl champion. I think he, Hell of an NFL season, all in all. It was a good one. I think, did you see the reports like a couple days before the Super Bowl that Sammy Watkins was considering sitting next season? Like not retiring, but just sitting next season. And then he goes Trying and does get his that. body right. I guess I don't know, but wow. uh, yo, poor Lashawn McCoy. Why you got a? I know healthy scratch the man. Let him get a Who snap. Is, yo. They, they put Albert Wilson was the backup RB, but that's just disrespectful. Man. It's not Albert's not his first name. I forget his name. Josh Wilson or something. I forget. Either way, he didn't even have a. F- oh, Darwin Thompson. Sorry, All Darwin right, Thompson right. was the backup RB. He had one carry for zero yards at the goal line. Zero receptions for zero yards. LaShawn McCoy could have done that. I know. It's a bummer. At least he it would have been a nice way to end his career. Poor guy. 
I know, and he's like Andy Reid's homie too. But the Chiefs, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Not much you can do about that, man. It's a wrap. Big Red got his Super Bowl title. Hell he's yeah. gonna be eating nice. Is he coming? He's coming back with. I'm say over under 20 more pounds on him next season. I was legitimately concerned that he was gonna have a heart attack when he started screaming at the end there. <laughs> Woo! And he still has his timeouts. <clears throat> Very rare. <laughs> Switching gears from the Super Bowl to something we never thought we'd ever have to talk about for a very long time or ever at all. One of the most heartbreaking things ever occurred last weekend. We were not recording the pod because Safe was down in Miami, so it's taken us a little bit, or sorry, it's taken us a little while to get around to this. Not something we were really in a rush to talk about anyways. <clears throat> the loss of Kobe, Mamba Bryant. Man, the first thing I thought was how much this would mean to you, and it made me even even sadder man yeah shit man I still don't even feel like normal talking about it it was so devastating and it didn't seem real and like the first text I saw I was like oh like I just didn't yeah. even really take it seriously I just figured it was a joke or some I don't know and then when I got like six seven texts and phone calls I was like my heart dropped and man, I've been heartbroken ever since. Like, I'm starting to be a little bit better, but holy shit! Like the first, the next, I couldn't sleep, and then the next day, I was hoping it was a nightmare. And like every day, it's just been heartbreaking waking mm -hmm. up in a world without Kobe. I mean, obviously, I'm not feeling sorry for myself, his family. It's just insane thinking about his wife and other three daughters. Um, all his friends and stuff but Kobe was such a he was larger than life man it was so crazy like the impact he's had on me and millions of other people like I don't really know what it is or what it was about him it's hard to put my finger on it but his super fans like me like you know how much I worship that dude he had some sort of crazy just like effect like you just worship the guy like like no other like he's the only person I could meet any skater in the world that I've been a yeah. huge fan of and not really care, you know, but Kobe's the only one where I could see myself like hyperventilating or something and just he he's just that dude, man. He's like just such a special dude and I'm just so sad. Obviously his daughter's mm -hmm. like even more heartbreaking cuz yo, I found out we were on Ocean Drive drinking one of those mm -hmm. like upside down Coronas which is a lifelong dream of mine. And I'm sitting there with Justine Collette and Aiden, and I'm glad I was with them, you know, in Miami. It just made it a little bit easier to be with some of my best friends and wifey. Um, and then, so we hop in an Uber back to the, to the hotel, and I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, I'm about to become the biggest Gigi fan and just, you know, follow her career just oh. as, to honor Kobe. And then we get back to the hotel. That's straight up what I'm thinking. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna watch every one of her games. Like, this is gonna, this is like mm -hmm. how I'm gonna honor my guy, you know? And then obviously the rest of the news came out and I'm just like, wow. I, I just can't stop thinking about like, what the fuck is Vanessa Bryant and the girls? Like, how are they doing? Like, 
it's just so tragic man yeah for the rest of their family it's just something that you're not even going to be able to put into words and you can see it when you hear his friends talk about him like to see Shaq break down the way he did this we're talking about a guy who had a different type of touch on people he touched people in a completely different way than any other sports athlete celebrity when you see other celebrities passing it's sad but this was different this is took over like a whole generation of people all across the world the tributes he's had and still it's just seems like it's not enough for kobe like there's no way you can honor him that will ever be enough for what he's done for sports and just people in general it truly just like leaves you at a loss for words the lakers did a hell of a job remembering him and the nba as well with the changes they're making to the all-star game he just represented something different outside of sports and being a celebrity it was just the way of kobe's life was completely different he taught you to always take something to the next level you know you can always do more you can always train harder and to be your best yeah that's the that's the thing that was so cool about him was he's so much more than basketball such a genius of a human uh but like his mentality is something that you can just apply in all walks of life and he was so much more than a basketball player and i think that was really cool how like post career he was doing so much like motivational kind of shit and i love that he has so many Mm -hmm. sit down video interviews out there where we can always just go back watch and and just get inspired by his his dedication to anything he put his mind to not just basketball like obviously you know his gift his main gift was basketball and that's what he'll be remembered for but i truly believe that his post ball career was going to be just as impressive and he was just getting started i mean he already won Mm -hmm. a a fucking Oscar um, and I'm hyped to see what else he had in the works because I know I'm sure there's a bunch of shit that's going to come out but also what he did for like he was a huge advocate for um, female athletes and uh, specifically the WNBA but like just all athletes like I saw some interview of him talking about Coco uh, Goff and just fuck man it's just sad, man. I like I said, I hate waking up in a world without Kobe. But yeah, fuck. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stay motivated. Try and keep that mama mentality, whenever, whenever it applies. Even like before he passed, I'd I'd had this one. I can't remember when. Like a year or two ago, I had this moment where I was like, man, I let you down, Kobe. I'm such a lazy fuck. <laughs> like, I like I wish being such a huge fan of yours actually made me more like you but like it's you know you know me man i'm not like mom like every once in a while it's like i'll be like all right what would kobe do like i gotta fucking dig deeper here but he's that dude that woke up at 5 30 every day in the off season and was in the gym i'm like yo fuck <laughs> i ain't got that in me but i'm gonna i'm gonna try harder whenever it applies try and uh, keep that mama mentality alive in my life Kobe's someone that love you, Kobe. We'll definitely never forget. Real talk. Maybe I should get my first tattoo, a huge Afro. You see, Kobe LeBron got himself on my one shoulder. That was dope. It's just, it's just indescribable, yeah. man. Like you said, hearing about it at first, everyone was just, this can't be true. It can't be true. But Kobe was larger than life, and the amount of people you see celebrating his life is just 
It's incredible, man. I think he has some of the most insane fans in the world, and I'm one of them. Um, and I'm happy to be one of them. And he's such a, a dope impact on my life. So thank you, Kobe. All right, y'all, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of The Bunt. Kobe, Mamba, we love you, dog. All day, every day, man. Till our last day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>